We're in this series on Peter and his writings of encouraging Christians to live and stand fast in the grace of God. Uh, he continues to remind them to keep their faith in this Savior, who by the cross and by his death and resurrection and promise returned is exactly what they need for here and for eternity. As he begins this second letter, uh, he shows them how it's possible through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ uh, to make changes that are permanent and eternal and lasting. Uh, too often we give up on ourselves. We don't really think, can we change? Can a leopard change its spots? You know, can, uh, can we really make permanent and lasting change? And Peter says, yes, you can. You can make that change through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, Matt Cutts is a renowned systems analyst and has done a lot of work throughout the world and works with companies primarily like Google. And he spends a lot of his time helping people to see how change is possible in their life. He, he started off with himself. He realized the type of job that he was in. It was so structured that uh, he began to think that he wasn't doing things that he wanted to do. That everything was just so structured. How could he ever get to do some of the things that he wanted to change? So he started reading more and listening to others and being mentored by others and realized there are things that you can do to make a change. And so what he did he himself, he taught others to do. He started encouraging people to set goals throughout the year, to make a list of the things you would like to see changed in your life, and then narrow them down to four things. And then one month out of each quarter, just work for those 30 days on that one thing you want to change. He said, most people think that the changes in their life are really big. He says, but really, in actuality, most of the things that you want to change in your life are quite small, but you never get to them. But if you just take the time once a quarter, make that your goal, work on them, at the end of the year, you can see significant changes that have occurred in your life. He says, by doing that, you make the days more interesting. You get a year that's going to have some excitement to it. And each quarter is going to have a specific goal that you're going towards. And you can measure and see in your intentional living what sort of things uh, have been created. I thought that was kind of innovative. I thought that was interesting how uh, you could do that. And for some of you, that might be a kickstart to kind of get you started on some of those things you keep saying that you need to change. But you've not done those as well. Uh, Matt, along with many other motivators throughout the years, all agree on one thing, though. If a person does not want to change, they are not going to change. If a person feels like they have no need to change, they are not going to make the effort to change. In the Bible, Isaiah spent a lot of time, in fact, all of his ministry, trying to get the nation of Judah to change when they did not want to change. He tells them about God's wonderful plans, God's wonderful promises, even tells them about the great Messiah that's going to be coming. But because Judah does not want to change, no change occurred in Judah. Even though Isaiah warned them over and over again, if you don't change, there's going to be destruction to your land. The church of Laodicea was given a letter from an angel by Jesus. Very intentional, isn't it? And in that letter, Jesus says, here's what you need to change in. And if you don't change, here's what's going to happen. And their response was, we don't need to change. Everything's fine. Everything's wonderful. They didn't see the need to change, and they did not change. So if we don't want to change or feel like we don't need to change, then we won't. It's that simple. 
Doctors can advise you about your health. They can tell you what you need to do to change, but they cannot make you do the change, right? You can go to a counselor about relationships, about addictions, about other areas of your life, uh, life training. But if you are unwilling to change or you don't see a need to change, that counselor cannot help you one whit. It's all in terms of what we bring to it. So the time for change, that's our title of our lesson today, is possible for everyone. But if you're not willing to change or you don't see a need to change, then these words from Peter today, you're not going to listen to. They're just not going to be part of, 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 of an interest to you. Now, what's interesting to me is when you go back to what Matt Cutts says and others that I referred to earlier. It says most people, it's not because they don't feel a need to change or because they don't want to change. It's because they're either stuck in a rut or they've drifted into some bad habits or thought processes. Or they've grown so comfortable with their life and they're afraid if they make changes, even though they're not happy, that it will make life worse. Or quite simply, they want to change, but they really don't know how. They've not discovered how to change. And until they learn how to discover that, they cannot make those permanent changes. Well, I think we have some great news here from Peter. If you want to break out of your rut, if you want to quit drifting... Get back on track. If you want to quit playing it safe and start taking the steps needed to find joy and happiness and discover what you need to do to have permanent and lasting change, we can find it here in 2 Peter 1, verses 1 through 12. Here's four things that he tells us. I'm going to tell you to begin with, then we'll break them out. Number one, complete change is possible because it's centered in the divine power and the divine nature of God. Number two, faith creates the intentional desire to make the effort required to change. Number three, change is never automatic, but requires pushing through plateaus and eliminating what is unfruitful in your life. Number four, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, paid the price necessary for me to have eternal change. So let's look at those. Let's develop those four ideas from 2 Peter 1 through 12. I want to begin by reading the verses to you and listen as I read them so that we can familiarize ourselves with the context and the flow of Peter's concepts. So here's what Peter says. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us very great and precious promises. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason... Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in ever-increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. 
and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I just think those are excellent thoughts about how to change. Peter begins by telling us, notice that complete change is possible. Notice that next slide, that complete change is possible. Not just a temporary change, but which we're all too familiar with, those changes we make, we go back. But a complete and permanent change. And the reason for that, notice, is the power that's involved here. The power of that, the reason why we can have complete change, you see this in the verse here? Is because we, it's based and built on the divine power and the divine nature of God. Just think about for a moment the divine power of God, what God accomplished through his divine power. Everything exists through his divine power. All life comes from the divine power of God. Uh, eternal life exists because of God. A new heaven, a new earth. The promise of salvation is because of the divine power of God. The divine nature of God that's given to us through Jesus Christ cleanses us of our sins, gives us hope, gives us a new salvation, gives us an inheritance in God. It's a new DNA, a spiritual DNA. I can have complete change and permanent change because of the divine power and the divine nature of God. Isn't that what Paul refers to in Philippians 4.13? In Philippians 4.13, Paul reflects upon the many difficult circumstances and situations that he found himself in by being a minister of the gospel. And what he says is, no matter what the circumstances were, no matter when it seemed like it was defeating, what got him through, he says, was the strength of Jesus Christ. He built and based his life upon the strength of Christ, and God never let him down. See that? God did not disappoint him because through the divine power and the divine nature of God, Paul was given strength to overcome. You know, we're just like Paul. We all go through different difficult circumstances. We all go through different things, don't we, from time to time. But that same strength that got Paul through those things can get you through them as well. So, so back to 2 Peter. Uh, complete change is possible, not only because of the divine power in the nature of God, but notice the commitment that he's made to you. And it's found here in the promises that he gives to us, these great and precious promises. Change in your life is possible because God has committed himself to help us change. There are hundreds of promises for the Christian, aren't there? That are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And those promises are precious and great to us. uh, Because they reveal that God is totally committed to us. That's why he's given us those promises. Uh, Change is complete. Notice again this verse. Because of the resources we're given. This is a great one here. I hope you believe this. Uh, Notice he's given us everything we need for a godly life. It's incredible resources. Nothing is lacking. Through Jesus Christ, we have everything we need for life and for spiritual growth and to change. Now, on the one hand, when I read that, that's pretty intimidating. It takes away every excuse I have. God has given me everything I need. So I can't say, well, God gave me this and God gave me that and God gave me this. If only God had given me that or this or that, I could be much better. doesn't say that. 
says, God has given me everything I need. On the one hand, it's intimidating because I have no excuse. But on the other hand, uh, it's beautiful because I don't have to make excuses for not growing. Because God has provided everything I need. You go to work for a great company, what is that great company going to do for you? They're going to give you the right training, thoroughly equip you for that work. They're going to give you all the resources you need to succeed. They want to see you succeed, don't they? They will do everything they can to help you succeed, to become great in that company, if they're a great company. They've done everything in their part to help you succeed. Now, not all employees succeed, right? They're given everything they need, given all the resources they need, thoroughly equipped, thoroughly trained. But guess what? Not everybody takes advantage of that. Not everybody's willing to do that. But notice, God does something even greater for us. God has given us everything we need for the better life. This great spiritual growth. It's not a wish. It's not an excuse. God gives us everything we need for a godly life. And to that then, what we need is to add our faith. A faith that comes through believing in God's word. Amen? God's word and applying that word of God to our life. Application. So here in God's word, we're told that the power of God is available for the strength we need to make a complete change. We see his commitment through the very great, wonderful promises that he's provided for us. He's certainly given us all the resources we need, everything that we need. So how do we respond? I respond by putting my faith in him and my trust in God. Complete change can happen through the divine power and strength of God. But it means that I have to implement that change, right? Look in verses 5 through 7. For this reason, what reason? What God has made possible, given us everything we need. Make every effort. It's intentional change. It's implementing change that is intentional. If you want to get out of rut, you've got to intentionally decide to get out of the rut. If you're drifting away from your purpose, you have to make the effort to get back on track. If you've grown too comfortable playing it safe and you're, not, and you're miserable in your life and you're not happy in your life, you've got to make a decision to change. It's not going to change on its own. And so it's for this reason that we make this effort. It takes effort. God has given us everything for a godly life, but it is not automatic. That would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> Uh, as Maggie was baptized recently and others have been baptized. And when you were baptized, if you came up out of the water, you now have this new spiritual DNA and everything's just automatic. It all kicks into automatic gear. And we're doing everything God wants us to do. Wouldn't that be great? But that's not the way it works, does it? Transformation that happens to us is gradual. It takes time. It takes effort. So how can I measure whether or not when I'm implementing these things, whether or not they're working? Well, there are some external evidences, aren't there? Uh, There are. When you make the effort, you add to your faith, it says. Now, 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 wait a minute, you said. I thought you said God gives me everything I need for godliness. And now you're saying that I have to add something to my faith. Things such as goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and mutual affection and love. i got to add those things to my faith. I thought you said God gave me everything I need it. What's up with that? Well, are these things vitamins, supplements? That God gives us the basics, but we need to add these supplements in order to have a more fulfilled life? No. These are not supplements. When you eat a diet, whatever diet you have, nutrition-wise, 
You take supplements because you're lacking certain nutrients or vitamins within the food you're taking. You're lacking something. God has given us everything for godliness. There is no deficiency. There is no need for vitamin supplements. Faith is all you need. God gives us what we need. So the the problem is this word add, isn't it? Uh, When we see the word here, add to your faith these things, we think in addition to, we think in terms of, well, this is something else I need, or this is a supplement. The word here to add, mark it in your Bibles or somewhere, should be better translated to invest. When you make every effort to invest your faith in goodness and in knowledge and in self-control, it's, it's the idea that you believe in something like a product so much that you will invest your money, your time, your resources, your energy to make sure that project or that product works. You are investing your life into it because you believe it to be true. I make every effort intentionally to invest my life for this reason, that my faith in God is a complete change. And in so doing, I can have these wonderful external evidences that it's working. When I invest my life in the faith God has given me, I will be, have goodness and I will have knowledge and I will have self-control. These are evidences of a faith that's working. They're not vitamin supplements. Uh, how many of you have ever seen the show American Greed? Seen that one, American Greed, where you always have it's the same story. Some really good people with a little bit of money or a lot of money gets swindled by some sort of fraudulent guy comes along and tells them that you need to invest in my product or invest in my company and you'll make these really big returns. Same story, isn't it? And over a period of time, they gradually begin to invest a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more, and finally, many of them have their entire life savings with that particular fraudulent investor. And at the end, they lose everything they had because they had invested in the wrong thing, hoping to make a lot. I'm gonna ask you this morning, where are you investing your life? What is your life invested in? What, what, what is it that you're looking for? What is it that you're investing your life in? Is it, is it something that's going to have eternal change and consequences? Or something in the long run that's going to be something that you're going to lose your very life over? God gives us everything we need, our salvation. He promises spiritual growth, joyful life, eternal life. If we believe and we invest in these promises... We make the effort. The evidence of that is our, our investment is that we have these fruits of goodness and of knowledge. We're doing good, see, and we're knowing God better. And, and we do good by making the effort to serve and show compassion and mercy and love and kindness and forgiveness towards others. And we desire to know God by not just knowing the Bible as a textbook, but developing a really great, solid relationship with God, our Father, it pays off. So that, that is how we do that. How do I get to know God better? Through his word, through prayer, through worship, uh, through making that time to spend time with him. And when I do that, and I invest in that, the changes that are there occur, and it, I become more aware of that, and it leads me to be self-controlled. The self-controlled aspect of it. The Holy Spirit comes in my life to transform me, to make me more and more like Jesus. And the more and more I become like Jesus, the more I invest in my life of Jesus, the more I bring myself in subjection to God's will. 
And I don't want those things in my life that may be corrupt. I don't want those things in my life that may lead me away to create ruts or drift from what God wants me to do. Complete change is possible through God, but we've got to be willing to invest the effort. So let me challenge you this morning. Get out of the rut. Quit drifting. Quit playing it safe. Take your faith and invest it in God. He gives you everything you need, and it's going to pay off. Because what we all want in terms of change is productive. We want to be productive in our change, don't we? Look in verses uh, 8 through 12. You know, when we make change, the next slide, productive change. When we make change, usually there's this, this spurt of energy, this immediate growth that takes place. And then it's followed by gradual growth. And so there is this energy and excitement about the necessary changes that are being made. But then a couple of weeks go by and that growth becomes more gradual. Uh, Peter notice says that we are growing in increasing measure. Do you see that? There's growth that's taking place in increasing measure. Uh, we experience the change. At first it's very dramatic, but then it becomes more incremental, doesn't it? And we begin to wonder, well, is it still working? And what Peter says, yes, it is. You keep doing these things in increasing measure. Uh, you got to understand how the process of growth works. And the Bible so often talks about growth, even Peter, in terms of a baby becoming an adult. Remember that? A newborn baby. You may want that newborn baby to be an NFL football player like J.J. Watts. J.J. Watts eats 9,000 calories a day during football conditioning. He eats five eggs to begin with, followed by hash browns. Whole wheat pancakes, you got to get, the, I guess, the right stuff there. A banana, some water, and an apple. Turns around and eats some oatmeal, five more eggs, and some wheat toast. Just, just for breakfast. 9,000 calories a day. To prepare for the NFL condition. Now, if the parents of J.J. Watts wanted him to be an NFL player as a baby... Do you think they put all that food in front of him when he was just a newborn? No. I mean, it takes, gradu- it takes incremental change. It takes growth to grow from a baby to a J.J. Watts. And obviously, he can't keep eating that way if he ever retires from football, okay? But at this point in time, this is what he does to grow into that position. But we're not only compared to children, we're compared to fruit, aren't we? Paul says the fruits of the Spirit. Just think about the gradual and incremental changes in fruit trees. You, you, bring the, you plant the seed of the tree. It grows up pretty quick. It has all the colors and leaves and stuff. But it takes a few seasons, depending upon what fruit you're growing, for it to bear fruit, doesn't it? And so the person who's growing the tree will take the time, do everything it can to make sure that that tree is healthy and functioning, knowing that it's not expected to have fruit immediately. It may take a few seasons. And when it gets there... They want to make sure, the owner of that tree, that they have the best fruit possible. So we have to learn in our life, in our walk with God, that it's sometimes exciting and dramatic and immediate. But many times it's just kind of those incremental stages. We keep doing the right things. And even though we may not see it in increasing measure, we're continuing to grow and to change. Which means we have to learn how to push through some platitudes, don't we? Plateaus, rather. Uh, we may not feel like we're growing. We, we, hit a, we hit a stopping point. We plateau. 
And so our tendency is when we plateau is to think, well, nothing's happening. Nothing's really working. So I've gone about as far as I can go. And Nehemiah gets word that the people in Jerusalem had quit building the wall. And they had built their own homes, but they quit building the walls. And it had gone on year after year after year after year that they had just decided that they could not build the wall. Nehemiah asks for permission, and he goes to the area of Jerusalem. And in a matter of days, the entire wall is built. He pushed them through. He said, no, you were doing the right thing. You just stopped too soon. You got to keep pushing through. You know, it's kind of like when you're in terms of those of you who lift weights, right? You get, you get used to a certain routine, don't you? And you do those things in your exercise and, and, you, and you do those. After a while, you kind of say, well, it doesn't really feel like it's working anymore. So in one of those situations of where you're trying to kind of have to redo something, to mix it up, to make it, to make it work better. And so often in our times, what we do is we, we hit this growth and we say, well, you know, I'm in a rut. I'm drifting in my purpose for God. I'm, I, I, I'm going back to my old ways. Just doesn't seem like things are working. What you need to have is memory reinforcement, don't you? The Bible so oftentimes says, remember, remember, think back on what God has done for you. I mean, God has given you everything that you need. Don't walk away from that. Don't cave into the self-talk of defeat. You can do this, remember, because Jesus is the one who gives you strength. Uh, Jesus one time told that story, remember, of the three men who receive money from God to be invested. The first two invest the money and they receive the reward of investment. They do exactly what God said for them to do. All three of them received an investment from God, which they did not have before. The third one did not invest it. The third one buried it. And the third one missed out on the opportunity to see that investment grow. Also began to make excuses as to why he could not do it. And finally convinced himself that he would never be able to do it because God was such a hard taskmaster and he didn't want to let God down. And what he did was he self-talked defeat to himself to where he never grew into what God wanted him to be. Are you with me? So many of us are doing the same thing. Don't make the same mistakes. Like an exercise, when you hit a wall, you mix it up. You change it around, don't you? You don't stop exercising. You keep doing the exercise. You keep going through it. And same way spiritually. Are you a rut in your prayers or... You're saying, you know, worship's not as exciting as it used to be. Reading the word of God, just not getting a whole lot out of it. Well, mix it up. Start reading your Bible on a different time of day. Start praying in a different location. You sit over here for worship every week, start sitting over here. You worship at a certain place in your private worship, go somewhere else to worship. It's amazing. The prayer is not the problem. It works. The word of God is not the problem. It works. Worship is not the problem. It works. That's being fruitful. That's being effective. What's not working is the rut you've gotten in. The drifting you've gone into. And that self-talk that says it's just not working for me. That's what needs to change. And so by increasing measure, you can change those things. And the result is you can push through it. It takes mental memory reinforcement. But it also takes something else. Here's what Peter says. Confirm your call. Confirm your election and call. Notice there it says, you're not to earn your calling or election. Didn't say that. 
It says you are confirming what God has already done. And what God is doing for his called and elected people. You confirm what God is doing for you. You're not earning it. And he told us, I'll give you everything you need. All the resources are there to make the change that's necessary. And I'm going to confirm that in the way that I live my life. So what it means, and here's what Peter says, I have to think long term. I have to declare what God is doing in my life long term. I can't be nearsighted, Peter says. I can't think short term. I don't want to be nearsighted. I don't want to have blind spots in my life. I want to invite and invest my life in the power of God for God to change me and transform me into everything Jesus wants me to be. Amen? So that's the final point. This eternal change happens only through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just look at what everything Jesus did for us in terms of the eternal change. This beautiful eternal change. It's found in verse 4, uh, verse 1 and 4 and verse 11. Peter says, this is how the Lord Jesus Christ gives us eternal change. It's what Jesus does for us. I was unrighteous in my sins. But Jesus died on the cross for my sins. For my unrighteousness to save me from my sins. To live a holy life. Now I, through faith in Christ, am declared righteous. What Jesus does for me is not only save me from my sins, but he rescues me from the corruption of the world. See that? And helps me escape from my evil desires. The best way and the only way to live in this world that's real is to live for God. Everything else is a fraudulent investment. And you're going to end up sorrowful and disappointed. This real life is found in Jesus. Once I come to believe who he is. And believe that to the depths of my feet, to the top of my head, then I see what Jesus has done for me. I'll invest my entire life in him because there is no other way. He's the one who's done this for me. He's the one who saves me, who rescues me. I don't want to be corrupted. I want to be transformed. I want to be transformed more and more in the image of Jesus. And how Jesus does that, notice, is by cleansing me of my sins. All the sins were put on the cross of Jesus. Jesus bore that burden for us. So I could put my faith in him and have my sins washed away. So when I see Jesus, I see what he's done for me. I also realize that this world is headed towards one great ultimate victory. The return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if I live this life and let God change me from the inside out, then at the end of that time, I will find myself being welcomed into heaven, a rich welcome by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'll hear from him the greatest words you could ever hear. Enter in, good and faithful servant. Well done. Well done. That's what God wants to do to you. What must I do? Faith. Receive Christ in faith. Have a precious faith. Put that faith into action. Be born again. Be baptized into his name. Let Jesus get you out of the rut. Let Jesus get you back on track. Let Jesus say, don't neglect such a great salvation ever again in your life. Live it out. Stop settling for a life that's fraudulent. Live a life of purpose that's lasting.
And start making the effort to put God first in your life and let God change you from the inside out. Quit making excuses. Let's quit making the excuses. Let's be productive. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Live for Jesus today so that when that final day comes, whenever it is, we get to have a rich welcome into heaven because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we invite you to do that right now. Together we stand and as we sing. As the mountain.